So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Every CEO, every agent, every team leader, every broker has got to look around the corner to see what's coming if they want to make good decisions, not just about their business, but about their life. Today, I've got the man who can help us understand the nine most important trends in 2022, so you as an agent, you as a team you as a broker can make better decisions and I'm going to press him hard with a whole bunch of questions. So Jack Miller from T360, what's up, man? How are you doing, Tom? And uh, hi there to everybody in the Tom Ferry audience. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. So, so Jack, for the people that maybe don't have perspective on you know, why you and Stefan are such a magical partnership, give them just a little insight on your background, and then let's tear apart these trends. Sure. Yeah, my personal background, I came out of franchise industry and I started, I worked for Gary Keller directly when he was building his organization back yeah. in 2000 to 2005. And then I've been a franchise owner. I've run an independent brokerage and I've, I've you know, personally have sold real estate. So I, I get it. I've been in the chairs of many of your listeners and have worked with a lot of very high level brokers and owners over my personal career. Right. And then Stefan and I partnered up about eight years ago to build uh, a support system for really high growth brokerages, high growth teams, people that wanted to have business, they have business questions about where's the industry going right. and how do we stay ahead of the curve? And Stefan comes from a long history that he has over 40 years in leadership in the industry has built yep. very large organizations, organizations as big as 35,000 agents. So, uh, so he has a lot, of, a lot of lessons learned from all of his years in management and leadership. Yep. And so we got together to make it practical to say, how can we turn this into something that a, a leader can use in their business every day and to guide themselves to where they want to get to? Right. I would say beyond practical, um, you guys also make it actionable. And that's like, you know, for me as a, as a, a business coach, as someone that like yourself works with a lot of CEOs and, you know, has lots of conversations with people. You know, I, I devour the trends report every year. And this is the 17th annual, right? So 17 years of mapping out what do we need to know and understand to be relevant, to be ahead of the curve, to thwart some dangers, because you guys have certainly been great about, I mean, go back, didn't you guys have the danger report? I think that was we actually did. a report. Yeah the, yeah, the National Association of Realtors commissioned yeah. us to study the threats to the industry. And then out of that, we developed the danger report, which cataloged what we thought were the most impactful threats for the next three to five years to the industry. And the trends report has a similar philosophy. We think yeah. if it's in the trends report, it's a topic that we think is impacting the industry now and will continue to impact the industry for several years. So it's, it should be on your executive agenda if we wrote about it. I agree. So, uh, so for my agent friend that's listening or my team leader or team Ridge or, you know, FinTech peeps and, you know, tech peeps and everybody else, um, I'm going to hit Jack with just rapid fire questions about every one of these trends. If you want to go deeper, you should buy the, buy the book, go to their website, get yourself a copy, be like, uh, you know, be like me and just get it on every single year and just devour it. Right? Like if you walk into my office right now, Jack, you would literally see them all lined up from beginning to end. And they all have the same thing, little stickies, dog ears and notes where I was like, Oh, I'm going to take that and I'm going to synthesize it, or I'm going to go test it with my audience to see, you know, can we get the kind of response we want? So it's been a, 
it's been a beautiful gift to the industry and especially to me. So thank you. All right. Trend number nine going from the countdown nine down to one. I like that there's only nine trends this year. Thank you for a little less reading. Uh, is the impact of new construction. So Jack, um, Ivy Zellman and I were chatting recently. She said there are more sticks in the ground or houses in process today as we're recording this more than we had in 2004, five, and six, not combined, but each year collectively. Everybody is complaining about inventory. Well, it's about to hit them in the face. What does an agent or team leader need to understand about supply chain, the inventory that's coming, and how should they best prepare their buyers and sellers? I think you asked four questions in there, but I'll give it to you straight. So this chapter, we evaluated what's happening with the housing shortage, the fact that we are in a housing shortage. Yep. Because I think a lot of buyers and sellers that you're, you know, all of your audience is probably listening to are saying, hey, are we in some kind of weird bubble? The prices keep shooting up and, and what's going on? And this chapter, I think really the number one reason for an agent or a team leader to go through this is to understand the inventory situation and how real it is and how sustained of a housing yes. shortage we are in and how yeah. it's going to continue to last for years. Like all right. of the construction being done is not going to solve the problem for about a decade. Even at the level of construction we're doing, we haven't returned to anywhere close to, to balance. So so it's, it's uh, part of this is to help people understand this is gonna be the new normal for a while. Uh, we're, right. we're, we're not seeing, no, the, the home builders just can't build fast enough and they're no. not gonna be able to build fast enough to get us out of this. Do you guys cover it all, you know, what we're seeing with the KKRs of the world and, and all these other funds that are buying everything they can get their hands on, on the two hundred and fifty to $400,000 buy box in every sand state because the cash flow and the rents and the appreciation and the taxes are such a huge advantage. Do you guys cover that? Uh, we we talk about it internally. We don't write about it at length in our trends report because that's, that's more on the investment portfolio side. Yeah. But I think there's some things to be learned from that. There's a reason right. they're buying because yes. they recognize the inventory situation that we're in as well. And they, they know that if they buy and hold, they're going to do well because of the asset appreciation that they can experience and the demand for housing. The demand for housing is not going down. No, no. Fun, fun fact, we're in this great debate around, are we in a buyer's market or a seller's market? And of course, everyone listening is going, oh, seller's market. We actually believe we're in a buyer's market. So Jack, ready? If you sold your house two years ago, was that a good idea? Or was it better to sell it today? So it, it was probably better to sell it two years ago and buy something else and then you'd have there whatever you, additional- There you go. Yeah, that, right? so, that makes it a buyer's market because the job is to buy low and to sell high. That's right. Yeah, right? And so, we, know, we know that based on the fundamentals here, we have a supply demand problem. Right. So, that you're gonna, so if you can find a better asset that you think will appreciate more, you should Got buy it. it. 100%. It's been fascinating to watch just the, uh, how it makes some people's eyes cross when I say, we're in a buyer's market. And they're like, there's no inventory. I'm like, wait, we sold almost 7 million houses last year. We just don't have inventory that's sitting anymore. It's up and it's gone. It's up and it's gone to the tune of, you know, 7 million houses in the U.S. But let's go to number eight. Number eight is the residential real estate media landscape. So you talk about Inman, Housing Wire, you guys, and so many others, Riz Media. Why should an agent even care? So part of what we wanted to do, and no one has ever studied the media landscape in real estate from what we could find. We looked around yeah. and we said, has anybody ever looked at the media that we're consuming yeah. as an industry? And I think yeah. in the context of the greater national conversation about media yeah. and you know its accuracy and does it have bias and things like that, we felt that this was an important year to cover it and say, yeah. let's look at the media channels 
and let's understand their business model. How do these guys make money? You know, yeah. are they, do they take sponsorships? Are they, mm -hmm. you know, 100% yeah. paid content? Are they 50% paid content? Because that should influence how you treat that media source and understanding right. what's paid content, what's sponsor content, what's editorial, what's objective and what is neutral. So that we, we right. did this a little bit as a, as a service to the industry. We're gonna turn the camera around, we're gonna point it back at the media landscape and just yep. say, Let, let's talk about that. Because it is important. If you're making decisions in your business, right. you, should, you should rely on good information and just knowing if an information that you're getting is sponsored is, we feel like it's an important piece. I agree and you and I both know the old line is, uh, headlines do more to terrify than they do to clarify. So, you know, reading beyond the headlines and then am I reading sponsor content? Am I reading something that's clearly paid for and selling a product or service versus, hey, this is a down and dirty actual report on what's going on, which is why I love your guys' stuff. I wanna ask a backup question though. I am a huge advocate for agents becoming the media company in their local marketplaces. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great strategy. I mean, the, the goal that you have as a real estate professional is to be the trusted source for your people. And so we have, we have, we actually talk about this in our, one of our uh, programs. We, we say you want to monopolize the minds of the people that are connected to you. So they just automatically go to you for real estate concerns and yep. media is a very powerful way to do it. You know, being in front of them regularly, becoming a trusted source of information. And then that's how you get business from people. They say, you know right. what? So-and-so has always told me straight about what's going on with the market. Yep. I'm going to refer you to them. Yeah. Okay. One of the things you guys did this year, which I thought was interesting, is you talked about this thing just called perspectives. And one of the perspectives was the traditional real estate model. And my question for you is, is it dead? So this is a great question. And it's something that we have a lot of fun talking about. And we have, we definitely have, by the way, some of those big companies that I'm, have a lot of money coming into our space. They're, they're pretty, right. Yeah, they're pretty okay. convinced. Compass, Compass, who, you know, friends, clients, like all these big major companies, especially the ones that have written, we're all clients of ours, but like, Let's face it, like they're still a traditional real estate company, traditional splits and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that's what you mean by traditional, I'm assuming, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is, a, is what we think of as like a full service traditional brokerage yes. that has yes. some kind of graduated commission split plan and, you know, yeah. that, that way of doing business. And so our industry, if you look at the history of our industry, and Stefan's done such groundbreaking work here studying change in our industry, right. our right. industry is not an industry where uh, a new competitor comes in and displaces the, all of the uh, old old competitors, right? Yes. Ours is an additive industry where it's like, yeah. oh, when when Remax came into the scene, boy, everybody thought that was really disruptive, and you know, to the extent they tried to kick Dave Linegar out of NAR and said you can't be part of this thing. So, but what happened was is Remax and, and the desk fee commission mm -hmm. structure, LT execs and others, yeah. Yeah, it became, a, it became another option in the real estate right. agents world. Same thing with Keller Williams. Same thing we're seeing today with eXp. So the, the new models don't eat the old ones. They just add more options on the shelf yeah. for the agents. And then in the new new stuff that's coming out for consumers, where we have these blended mortgage, yeah. brokerage, all-in-one, stop shop. Yep. Those are just creating more options for the consumers as well. So this is an industry that likes creating new options, but yes. we don't see these new options destroying the old ones. You can still run a great traditional brokerage in this country. And we know we have access to a lot of the, these companies and we get to see their financials and there's some very healthy ones out there. And that, that's, that's not in question. Yes. Well, I know we're, I, I've got some, some pointed questions around some of these new models, which we'll hit in a minute, but let's go to number seven. I love all this. Number seven, branch managers, magic and how to find it. 
Jack, this has been an issue um, that I've dealt with for at least 25, 26 years. Every CEO, every owner I've ever talked to, Ferry, how do I find more managers, right? And especially with a manager's comp changing, starting about a de- you know, well, a little over a decade ago during the global uh, economic meltdown, the comp model has changed dramatically for managers. So, so what's the solution here? And why should an agent care? So the, the reason why, first of all, if you are growing an organization, you probably already care. Yeah, <laughs> you oh, yes. already, yeah you're if in you're, this If you're running a team, if you're running a team, you care. Yeah, abso- absolutely. So I think, you know, from that perspective, we're always looking for people to lead organizations and branch managers are at the, they're at the, the nexus of what happens in right. a local office with yep. an agent. They are I the think tip the re- of the spear. Yep. Yeah, the tip of the spear. The reason the agent cares is understanding what kind of leadership and support they're going to get because they're probably going to get it from that branch manager. It's probably going to be the person that they'll interact with the most uh, outside yes. of the you know the the agents that they are working with on other sides of deals. They're going to be calling and talking to that branch manager for support, coaching, help, backup, all those kinds of things. And so understanding that landscape we think is important. In the chapter, we talk about the, the kind of the career life cycle of branch managers right. and where you know where right. they are in different places, and yeah. that might influence you as an agent. Like, do you want to work for a person who's kind of starting up a new thing and is building a new company, or do you want to work for an established uh, manager who's done who's managed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of agents successfully? You know, what what is your persona for that? What do you right. want? What will help you the best? Um, it's been a while since we've done the research, and I'm curious if you guys have um, when we would survey, you know, agents and clients of ours. Okay. You left. Why? Right. Number one reason always was I left because of the manager. Why'd you join the new company? I joined because of the manager and then culture and marketing, tech support, blah, blah, blah. And usually five or six was splits. We always think it's always splits. And again, I have not done this survey in a while. Do you have any updated data points for us on that? Like, why do they go? Why do they come? So when we've interviewed people, it's, it's almost always come down to something related to people or culture or fit. Like, and right. then then right. the then the commission structure comes in later, and it kind yeah. of provides the backup support to say, well, I'm not I'm not working with people that are really supporting me very well. I'm not you know I'm not getting what I need in order to do my business. Yeah, and I could go somewhere else and I could maybe save some money. You know, so it almost becomes a secondary reinforcing yeah. point to why they should move. But it it's usually if an agent is happy, making good money getting supported well, they usually do not move. It's unusual, yeah. it would be unusual for them to move just for money because then you'd lose all that. you lose that. And that's hard. It's hard to right. find that. I, uh, I have a client who paid his brokerage last year a million bucks. And some people will hear that and they're just like, oh my God. Well, obviously you can figure out he made a lot of money. He's on a really high split. And, and every one of them will say the same thing. Well, I should switch because if I went to company X or, and I'm like, well, before you do, let's break down everything that you're going to add on as a cost so it's kind of like when it's always about the money, then it's just always about the money. I think it's always about people first, culture, money and shekels can be figured out. But if you don't get people right, you don't get culture right, you don't get support right, who cares? Yeah, we would totally agree. If, they, if people will join for money, they'll leave for money. And yeah. people that are long-term successful, this is a relationship business. This is right. a business where right. people are going to invest in your career as an agent. Yeah. And if you're a leader, you're going to invest in other people. And that's that's what you should be looking for is people willing to invest in you yeah. and then people that you can invest into. I guarantee you right now, Jack, there's somebody's like, fairy, screw you. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because for some people, you're right. It's just about the money. Right. And that's okay. That's okay for them. Now, number number six, the technology consolidation wave, right? 
all these acquisitions that are happening and I'm watching the same thing you're, you're seeing, which is fascinating. At the end of the day, all this tech, what's it really gonna do for agents going forward? Like if we really can hit one button and generate the lead, go through the funnel, get the appointment, do the transaction, have it all work out, like everything that everybody's dreaming about, like is it really gonna happen? What are your thoughts? We're, we're in a race for efficiency, Tom. Yeah. You know, that, that's where time. we are right now. Yeah. yeah, we're in a race for efficiency. People want their time back. They wanna focus on the areas that they most enjoy and are best at spending time, which for most agents is with clients, is actually right. serving and working with their clients. Yep. And all, you know, there's a good news part of this with all this technology consolidation. It's actually very good news. We now have technology that is mature enough that mm -hmm. can actually do the job pretty well. And now we have companies that are big and financially well back to come in and say, we're going to put these things together 100%. to make your life easier as an agent or to make your life as a team leader more manageable where you're not diving into 20 different systems to try to make your business happen. The average agent uses about a dozen systems today to run mm -hmm. their business. And that's yeah. a lot of logging in and out of a bunch of different stuff. Right. right. It's uh, it's so interesting because again, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, 32 going into 33 years and like tech used to be a fax machine, right? And now you look at, to your point, you know, 12, 15, 18 apps on an agent's phone, running their entire business remotely. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, at, at the end of it all, like in most industries, are we just going to see Microsoft that owns a bunch of stuff, Google, you know what I mean? Like the, the two or three major conglomerates that basically suck up, like what, look at what realtor.com has done, right? Like, you know, even though they sold off top producer at one point, they kind of own a bunch. Then you look at what Fidelity did over the last three or four years. They went out and bought, you know, Geek, you know, uh, Real Geeks and like seven other, like Sync and all these other companies. Is that the winning solution? If I was listening to this right now and I'm a broker owner, should I be thinking about acquihires, buying my own, building my own? What's your perspective? So we're seeing that these companies that are acquiring and actually trying to put platforms together, I think they're much more purposeful today, Tom, than at yeah. any time ever. And I do think we, for major platforms, we're seeing that sort of consolidation where there will probably be among major brokerage platforms, three or four big players that kind of control most of the market. And yeah. you can just watch what Lone Wolf is doing or what MoxieWorks right. is doing. And sure. you can see it, you can see it coming. Now, the challenge is, this is a really innovative industry. This industry right. likes to come up right. with new stuff, new marketing stuff, new ideas. So there's a very healthy market of startup companies and little firms building really cool things yep. for realtors to use to stand out in the marketplace. And yep. that's not gonna go away. And as a matter of yeah. fact, it just continues- It's gonna accelerate. Yeah, it's gonna accelerate. Yeah. It's gonna accelerate. So I, I, think it's, I think we're actually in a healthy situation where more options are being created and the well-resourced people coming in and buying things and putting them together really have that goal of providing more and more of a one-stop shop. So I think benefit is net benefit is probably mostly to the agent in terms of efficiency and productivity. Yeah. Now, I don't know, you say build versus buy and boy, what a, what a conundrum. Um, I is. can tell you that, you know, our firm does a lot of consulting in that space mm -hmm. and we are spending more time unplugging broker built systems or home built right. systems right. and putting in place, you know, systems that are, professional products that are managed like a yeah. professional product is right. like we're spending a lot of time doing that right now because it's pretty hard to build and maintain a significant product. I mean, it, it just takes a lot of money in today's, right. in today's uh, uh, tech landscape to do that. So, so we're seeing more, we're seeing more buy and partner than we are build. I wouldn't yeah. build out, but definitely more buy and partner right now. 
Yeah, I've uh, I've invested in nearly ninety different startups, and and I can tell you, like the number one question is, talk to me about your management team and your ability to scale, and have you done it before, and what's going to be different about this one? And you know, because I mean, you you got probably get the same thing. Hey, hey, Ferry, I I created the CRM. It's the world's greatest CRM on the on the planet. And I'm like, go watch any of my content. My favorite CRM is the one you get for free that you should just use because they're all the same with my, a few minor variations, right? Like. It's a, it's, it is an interesting spot. Okay. This is the one I wanted to get to. I was so excited about back on perspectives, perspectives on real estate brands. And you mentioned all three of these companies and I, I got to give a shout out Jack to my dad. My dad and I were chatting one day and he's like, who wants to kill EXP? And I was like, Keller Williams. He goes, and who, who wanted to kill a Keller Williams? I'm like, Remax. He goes, that's been the industry. He goes, who wanted to kill Remax? I said, century 21. He goes, that's it. He said, you just covered all 45 years of my real estate career in three or four answers. So yeah. I, I mean, I was up for all my friends that are watching that are with all those brands. I'm not busting your chops. We talked about it earlier. When you, when you look at the perspectives of real estate brands and you see what all these new companies are doing with these new models, like what do you think is next for real estate when it comes to a brand standpoint? What, do you, what is, what's missing in the market? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen EXP come out and do incredible, similar following right. Keller, where they've right. done a really great job of capturing the mindshare of the agents. Like they've yes. done a, a fantastic job there. And we've yes. seen Compass working to capture and capture more of the consumer. But I think I think what's been missing, you know, is the integrated where it's like, oh, we've got the agents and the consumers. We're able to right. really appeal strongly to both audiences and bring more and more in. And I think for that, we address it in this in this yeah. trends report, more of the integrated services, more of the one-stop shop, making it really a great experience for the consumer, which yeah. is very, very hard, which is why we don't necessarily have it today. You know, yeah. so so I think that that's the that's the trend line. You say, what's the trend line? Well, some companies are really great at getting the agent mindshare. Some mm -hmm. companies are really working on it or getting better or maybe quite good at the consumer mindshare. So how do we put those things more and work together? Yeah. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you got to do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I want to be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Who do you think is, if you go back in the history of real estate, and I'm putting you on the spot here, who do you think did it best on both? Or who do you think is doing it well today on both? Well, some of our legacy brands did very, very good work here. So, and right. you've named some of them. I mean, I think Remax did incredible yep. work in consumer brand identity, but I it agree. followed Century 21 in uh, brand mm -hmm. identity. So yep. this, the foundation has been laid. There are some yes. companies in our industry, if you look back in history and say, when people thought of real estate, you know, in the eighties, what did they think of? And a lot yeah. of people thought about Century 21 and about Remax. So there's yep. very good examples from our history of companies that have done well in those areas. And then you flip over and say, okay, people are now really focusing on making systems that work really well for agents. And that's yeah. where you're looking at the EXPs and the Fathom. So many of the companies that, you know, that do well at this, they're already in the list. They're already yeah. ones that we all know, and they're just trying to get to that next level themselves. And how do they, yeah. how do they make it through? Yep. You know what I love about this industry and Jack, there's, there's so many things, but one of them is the optionality, right? That there's a different sandbox for everybody. 
right? Find your sandbox, play in it, play with the people you want to play with and go help a lot of buyers and sellers. And it's all going to work out just fine. Um, but I love it. I mean, I look around the industry. You know, I, you know what I love too? All the independents, right? The, the people that are willing to, you know, I'm Jack Miller Real Estate. Like, here we go, right? You know, and they, they make a mark. And then sometimes they become Wes Foster and Long and Foster. Sometimes they become Jim Weichert, right? I mean, like they literally become these monster iconic brands and they inspire me. They, John L. Scott, Lennox Scott, right? Like the same kind of thing. I think there's just a place for everybody. The key is finding your place. Well, that's what attracted me to this industry as a technology person. That was my background as I came in. Yeah. And I said, wow, this is such a, a flywheel of entrepreneurial right. activity right. In, in its entire history. And it, it you know, is one, one of the few that is left where you can make a very high income, which I know you work with very high incomes in yeah. your programs. Yes. And, uh, and, you, and it's relatively easy to enter. You don't have yeah. to go spend eight years at school and drag right. around $200,000 in college loan debt in order yeah. to do very well for yourself in this industry. And that's, that's kind of what the, that's kind of what the United States is about. That's the American. I market. agree. Low, low barrier of entry, high failure rate. Sign me up. Do you know what I mean? Like sign me up. Let's go. Okay. Number five, co-star Andy and the squad got a lot of buzz early on, but I'm not hearing much in my note. Literally, this is, you know, not, you know, not rousing my friends over there. Should agents even care and do you actually think Rich Barton cares? So yeah, we do We do think he cares. We do think, and we do think the industry cares. And the reason is what you're watching is you're watching a giant coming into a space they've never been before. Right. And they have so much money and yeah. so many resources and they can pencil out the numbers just the way we all can and say, this is residential real estate is such a big industry. And yeah. they see it. They're not, they're, they're masters over in their domain in commercial. And yeah. they're looking at residential and saying, we think we can go get that too. But their initial moves are, you know, they're, they're experimenting. They're figuring out how to even right. move in our space, right? So people say, oh, well, that didn't work and that didn't work out. Well, okay, but they've got several hundred more billion dollars to spend on figuring out right. what is going to work. Right. And, and they own some good assets at this point. I mean, they bought yeah. some good, they bought some good tech, maybe yeah. not the best tech in the world, but they bought yeah. some things that were pretty solid yeah. and they have ambitions to do more. So I, we, we think agents need to know about it because this, this is like, you know, I mean, how many times do we say, oh, you know, Zillow is, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're this, these outsiders coming in. Like we love to say that in this industry, we love to discount these yeah. people that want to come in and play in our sandbox. We say, this is our sandbox. You don't know anything right. about our sandbox. Right. Why are you coming in here? And this is no different. I think people want to discount them, which is why we wrote the chapter. We said, look, let's really understand this company. Mm -hmm. We think that leaders in this industry will need to understand it. We do think agents will need to understand them too, as they begin to make more and more offers into the space. Yeah. One thing's for certain, if you haven't done your background check on Andy, he is maniacal, man. He is like, if he gets obsessed about something, I'm not saying it's Elon Musk level, go to the moon or go to Mars, but like he's intense. He is he's intense. a competitor. He's a true yes. competitor. He wants to win. Yep. Yeah. He wants to win and he's yeah. going to fight really, really hard. So I do right. think, I do think Zillow is thinking about them. Yeah. I do think people's in oh, yeah. leadership positions are thinking about them because they know that because Andy has that personal reputation and the company yeah. has that business reputation. I think that I'm going to go on a limb here, Jack. I think that they should just buy Redfin, fire all the agents or give them to Rilogy and then have that asset. Because if they were in the game like that, it would be pretty ridiculous really fast. Going back to buy, build, right? Like they're buying these smaller companies and then trying to make them substantial. Why not take out one of the giants? Well, they're on a, they're on a learning curve. They may decide to they may decide to move in that direction. 
Right. right. Crazier things have happened. You know, remember Zillabot Trulia, right? I mean, it's, we, we know it's an option. Okay. Number four, real estate and the great reshuffling, right? How the pandemic impacted real estate consumer migration and its habits. And as we sit here and we record this, Jack, I can't help but think, I don't like the phrases like this is the new normal, right? I, I truly see if you study pandemics, it's about a two year burn on average if you go back in history. So as we film this, we're a month or so away from that, from that two year mark. We see normalization throughout Europe, but there's no doubt it had massive, massive impact on housing, how we do business, the way we operate, the way we view the world, a lot of bad and some good. So the question is what's next? So we, we accelerated trend lines that we were already on because of the pandemic. We were right. already on a work from home trend line. We yeah. were already on a, a trend line where people were looking at secondary communities that were less expensive and yeah. even states that were less expensive. We were already, we've been having people moving from California to Texas, which is where I live, forever. Yeah. you know, for, forever. Yeah. What the pandemic did was it, it, it just pushed the Ignited. go button on yeah. all those things. It made all those things happen. So what's coming next is more of that. Now that we've accelerated that trend, we're going to yeah. see growth in secondary tertiary communities. We've seen incredible growth in vacation home, rental market, like those kinds oh, of markets. Because yeah. people are saying, look, if I can work from anywhere I want, right. then I'm going to move to places that I really love to be. You know, I don't, I don't have to be tied down to where I thought I needed to be in order to have my job. So right. those those trend lines have just accelerated. And you know, valid for the agent who's thinking about their career and where they want to focus and specialize. You may not have to duke it out in the traditional playground of your major metro market. You can go pick areas and colonize those areas and say, this is an area where I see people are coming and moving and going to be. I'm going to become the master of that new domain. And that's really the message of the great reshuffling is that people are making different housing decisions now that are enabled by these trends that were accelerated by the pandemic. And we can all learn from that. That's valuable for everybody. And there's no doubt when you think about two, um, I'm going to make this statement and it'll, it'll ruffle some feathers, but the ease of generating leads today, whether through acquisition or, you know, just traditional marketing or, or more relevant, you know, online marketing, the ease of it today does allow that person to say, you know, I want to move from Hoobie-Dooville to Ding-Dingville. Let me go on Zillow. Let me go look at Realtor.com. Let me go look at all the different, you know, like all home light and everything else and say, well, can I buy some of the leads there? Bam, I'm in the game. I can do a referral fee model and then I can slowly migrate over. Like we're seeing that level of, it, it takes courage, but ease right? Ease today where people really get to make those choices. I see it in my own client base that uh, one of my clients opened up a brokerage because he wanted to live in Utah, but he has a huge, successful, massive market share, single office team ridge, right? In Southern California, but he wants to live over there, right? And he's running both wildly. He said, Hey, the pandemic helped me, man. We're doing Zoom meetings. Here we go. Do you think that, do you think that trend changes do you think zoom and what we're doing right now in a podcast scenario in zoom versus face-to-face -face, do you think that goes away or does it become the quote-unquote new norm or the way we do business i think people have accepted this as a valid way to do business that yeah. it's more convenient for many yeah. people that allows people right. to stay closer to the things they care about like their families if yeah. you are you know so i and and to you know live in utah and own a business in southern california might have been something really weird 20 years ago, For sure. but today very accessible, very doable. So right. it has so many benefits that why would we go back? Why would yeah. we do it any differently if we can do those things? 
our company, the entire time I've worked with Stefan, I've lived in Texas and he's been in California. Our right. entire, all of our senior yeah. team, we have 30 people that work for us. They're all over the country. So we were virtual going into this. And yeah. so we, we, for us, it was natural, but we think that more and more people just, this, this is just, it offers so many benefits. Why would we give it up? Yeah, we're seeing it, um, especially in like really high densely populated, massive traffic areas, which sounds like, like every place in the world. Um, but a lot of clients that have said, they're giving options now to their sellers. Mr. And Mrs. Seller, before I come over, why don't we do a Zoom session where I can walk you through the process, you can show me the house, we can do a deep dive together. You know, we could do it at four o'clock in the afternoon, we could do it at one o'clock, whatever's convenient for you. This is how I'm doing it now. Then we show up, then we measure, then we photo, then we blah, 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 blah. And they're like, they were crushing during the pandemic. I mean, we, we were on Zoom uh, starting in 2017 with all of our clients. So when the pandemic hit, we're like, just, get your own Zoom account and start inviting buyers to buyer consultations. Invite, like, do your meetings this way. And they were all like, oh yeah, we've been doing this with my coach for the last like four years. We got this. I think a lot of them are just going to continue it and then we'll get face-to-face -face and we'll do all that stuff. But I think people side, will use face-to-face -face more strategically yes. for like, oh, this is something where I want to show up in person. Right. But I can already tell it's already impacting service delivery at homes. Like we did, a, we installed yeah. a whole home generator recently. Yeah. The, uh, the person who did our quoting and everything never set foot on the site. I walked yeah. around with my phone with him right. on FaceTime. Right. I showed him everything. He didn't have to he didn't have to schedule to drive out here. He's not even in Texas. He just looked at everything and said, I can send you the quote and get it done. And so I, why would real estate be any different for a lot of for a lot of scenarios? Like it's right. it's there's there's no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out. So I'm um, I'm gonna give you the flip side of this. And I know we only got a couple left. So uh, the flip side of this is I see a lot of companies struggling with maintaining culture, right? Because some companies, mine included, we are a, oh, hey, Jack, come here, let's whiteboard this out. Let's, you know, let's, let's huddle. Let's go walk the lake at my Orange County office. Let's go walk the loop at my Dallas office. And there's something about that energy that has been displaced by all this. I think we need to look at how do we get that back? Because I think that's going to be a growing trend going forward. How do you have massive connection and community in those whiteboard moments when it's not, let me check on Slack, is Jack available? Oh, he's booked all day. I can't get him for five minutes, shit. Yeah, no, it's it's for sure. But put that in context. We were already in an environment, Tom, where brokers and leaders were struggling to get their people to come into office for meetings already, right? We, that's where we, well, that was our start position is most of the industry yeah. had sales team meetings that were not well attended. Right. People were not doing that. And yeah. so what was the answer for that? you have to be high value proposition today. There yeah. has to be a big payoff for people to do whatever it is, whether it's show up to a virtual thing like this or come into your office. So the focus on making those experiences quality and then creating opportunities to have that cultural connection, yeah. that team connection becomes much more deliberate. I found that myself and my wife during the pandemic period, if we had people over, you know, you had to really plan. You had to figure out where are we gonna be outside? Are we masking? Right. Is there gonna be a fan? So that kind of deliberate social yep. thinking is now important to leaders and is important for agents thinking about how they wanna move and how they wanna work. I, I concur. Okay, the real estate financing revolution. You know, I'm a fan of this because I'm an investor in one of these crazy companies, actually about five of these companies, couple inside here. Do consumers care as much about a one-stop shop experience? Do they really care? So what they care about is they care about having a good experience, period. Yes, so it that is I like, agree. It is, that yeah, I agree. It, isn't, it isn't necessarily the one-stop shop. And you have, to, you have to bear in mind 
a lot of the consumers that are entering the real estate marketplace today, there's some generational shifts that are happening Big where time. you know agent, agents are working with people that are their first time home buyers from a highly digital generation. Yes. And so they don't have this preconceived notion of, I need to buy or sell a house, so I'm gonna meet with an agent. They, they don't have that. They have an offer that came in their mail from a brand that they recognize because right. they've seen it advertised that says, hey, we can save you some money or we can make right. you an offer where you can buy and sell at the same time. So yep. they're not evaluating it through the industry's filter or lens. No. And so that's the, that's the opportunities. We have people that are learning new ways to transact mm -hmm. for the first time that it's new to the industry maybe, but it's it's gonna be their first time for them or the, early in their real estate buying career. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you have consumers who've been buying and selling real estate for a while who are looking to save some money and they can yeah. see that they can they're, they can be enticed by those offers. Now, is everybody gonna go for that? Not necessarily. Yeah. But if you, had a, if you had a relationship with a mortgage company and you had great service and you've liked it and they reached out to you and said, hey, we can save you probably 5,000 or $10,000 on your next transaction, for the person that's mindful of the dollars involved in yep. selling their home, yes, that, that, that's something they'd listen to. So I, yeah. I, I, I think we need to pay attention to these companies. And I know you're you're invested in several of these. We've been tracking yep. this for a while. Yep. We've been working with companies like this for a while, and we think they're here to stay. Now, what they look like in five years, that's up for debate. But we think yeah. the, there's too many of them, and there's too many of them that are showing traction in the markets yeah. that they've gone into in in a substantial way. Let, let's divert and let's talk about um, iBuyers and sell-through rates. A lot of them that are in that space, and you know, I, I don't know, if, I'm sure you read Mike Del Prete. I saw something this morning that said, you know, January was a booming month for iBuyers, and I was I was not shocked, right? What does boom mean? You know, I have to I have to dig into the data. So if you're a, a Mike Del Prete fan, do that. Um, but I think about those guys. I think about you know, Open Door being sort of the last you know big stallion in the in the race, and then I think about. Um, all the power buyers, the easy knocks, knocks, and there's so many of them now. First of all, congratulations to all of them because it looks like the next four years could be good for them. The question is like, like, how do they get the word out? Like, no, like I don't talk to any agent that says, oh yeah, I use easy knock all the time. And, I, and I'm an investor in easy knock for the record. So the CEO is going to hate me even saying this, but like, I don't see them saying like, even though they're killing I never hear an agent go, oh, you know, I had this scenario where the person wanted to get the cash out and I got him the cash out that we went and bought him a house and we used easy knock and it was like, you know what I mean? And literally right now, like I'm going to get, I'm going to get hate email for this, but like, sorry, buddy. What's going to drive that phenomenon, Tom, we think is th these companies are solving some real problems. for They are. They were saying, look, we know it. We know you don't want to sell your home because you're going to, it's going to be tough to buy and you have to sell first and buy later. Right. Let's just eliminate that. Let's just right. make it so where, Hey, we'll put you on our line of credit, go write a cash yep. offer. You, we yep. can sell your home later. We'll give you, we'll give you the makeup and difference. And it's not going to cost you a ton of money. You look, if you do the, we've done the math on these. I've personally yeah. gone through the mathematics on these. These are very compelling offers to the consumer financially. They save people yep. a lot of money yep. and they get them in a home that they want now. They allow them to yeah. shop now yep. versus have to worry about selling and then shopping, right? Which yeah. is such a such a headache, such a hassle. And yeah. I'm not just talking about eye buying. I'm saying, look, go shop. We're gonna right. list your home. We're gonna get the most 100%. money possible for yeah. it. And we'll you know, we'll take a one percent fee and we'll give you the rest of it back when it sells. I mean, that's a phenomenal offer. It's a major, major hassle saving. 
And, and you know, what is this generation about? What are we about right now? We're about immediate gratification. The yeah. ability to say, look, I'm a qualified, financially qualified. I own a home. I, if I sell it, I have plenty of money to buy my next home. Mm-hmm. Why can't I go shopping right now? And these companies are saying, yes, you can. Yeah. What's yeah. going to change the dynamic in the agent community? And I have a story about talking. We talked to our brokers. Yeah. Or yeah. about this. The agent community is when they start losing listing presentations because of that. When they say, you know, I was going to list with you, but so-and-so said I could just go shopping right now. What I really want to do is shop. You didn't come in with a menu of services and say to me, here's all the different. How how about, hey, I can buy your house. I can list your house. I can also help you fix and, you know, fix it up if you want. I have that vehicle or I can make it a no-brainer and get you 75% of the cash out. You go buy a house. Here's my menu of services, which is better There's some of these things, Tom, that I think in five years we're going to look back and just realize, oh, that's now standard operating procedure. Like the cash offer on the next home for a truly qualified buyer who owns a home, why shouldn't they be able to make the cash offer and move when they want to? Like that that just seems like, like they have the money. It's just this hassle of this transaction to get it out of the house they currently own. So there's some of these things that we think are just gonna become table stakes in the industry as more people adopt them. So don't write them off. And it's not all about the iBuyers. It's not all about people that are trying to buy the home and flip it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about making that whole transactional piece efficient. By the way, that's what consumers want. They just want it to be easier. And if you can tell them, go shop now, you can use our checkbook and write whatever money you need to write. And we'll worry about the details on selling your home later. I mean, that's a phenomenal offer. I'm I'm looking at this, you know, like just re-glancing at all the, you know, underlying notes that I have and all these companies that I know and a couple that I invested in. And I'm like, one of them needs to say, we're going to spend $40 million next year on TV. We're going to spend $4 million a month on Google. And I think whoever does that is going to win. Because I look at all these players and I think they're, they get lost the way some agents get lost in a sea of sameness, right? Or worse, in these guys' case, they just don't get heard about. They just like, you know. But there's an opportunity for agents in this. Of course. Go, go partner. Be, they're not going to buy TV advertising. You can be their TV advertisement for your neighborhood, your clients. Like you be the person that go gets the market share and can yeah. use it to drive your sales volume, can use it to make better offers for the people right. you know. Hey, right. I can help you buy and sell and save you a bunch of money. I mean, that 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 will get your, your email right. to come in. Right. That'll get your phone to ring. That's the thing you want, right? Yeah. I think, you know, for, uh, again, you know, sorry, Easy Knock, but like, because I'm a huge fan of this company and they're blowing up, right? And yet, if they got agents engaged with that menu of services, that's all it is. And you and I both know 75% of all the deals are done by the top 25% of all the agents in the country. So it's not like you have to get every one of them. You don't need, you know, Phyllis, new agent, Phil, new agent. You need like the upper echelon and you get a percentage of them and they're like, Hey, I can buy the house. I can list the house. I can help you put some money into the house and I'll take it out of the commission at the end or, you know, close of escrow, or I've got this other solution. They do that. If you're watching right now, if you're not doing that, I just think you're, you're not providing all of the potential solutions or optionality for a consumer. And if you're not doing that, are you as relevant to them, especially the person that's on their phone doing research before you got there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One last thing, one last thing yeah, I'll say please. on that. We surveyed our broker group. We had our broker yeah. mastermind last yeah. month and uh, we put this on the list. We said, let's talk about this. I did not know how it would go, Tom, because I was yeah. like you. I was like, I don't know if people are talking about this. We surveyed, we had about 30 brokers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all but two or three of them had done multiple deals with one or more of these companies Beautiful. in the last 90 days. Like they Beautiful. all had, they said, yes, Beautiful. I have agents doing it. I have people using it. I have some people doing this. And they had a variety. They shared their experiences. Sure. But yeah. we think, you know, if we asked that question a year ago, we would not have gotten that answer. We, yeah, no I agree. I agree. 
I, I agree. And I'm an investor in a couple of them. So I do believe in it. I believe in the model. Okay. Private equity. OMG. This was such a, f I mean, for me as an investor, I was like, oh yeah, I know that company. Oh yeah, I remember that deal. Oh, I should have invested in that one. That one, you know, why did I say no to that deal? Right? Um, why should an agent understand why private equity is coming in, why they're buying all these companies, why they're so fascinated by it? And and do you think we'll see more SPACs and more IPOs in residential real estate or in fintech related, you know, residential deals in 2022? Well, I think all of this is going to track how the market is doing and how, yeah. how we're doing in our global economic recovery. And as you know, if things are staying where they look like they are today, then I don't see why we would stop. Right. We are seeing more companies in real estate go public, go right. IPO are doing things that are acting a little bit more like the tech companies in terms right. of how they approach the market and think about the market. Listen, if I was an agent and you're coming into this industry today versus say 20 years ago, yeah. the likelihood that you might get shares of stock in the company that you are joining or that you have other alternative means right. of compensation right. is it, it, it's, it's night and day. 20 years ago, it didn't exist. It wasn't yes. a thing that we had some profit share programs, but today the likelihood that you could join a company and be compensated via the growth of the company in the stock right. market is right. pretty high. And it's not just one company, there's many of these companies. So yeah. that's part of what we're seeing is that Wall Street, private equity, uh, all of these you know, moneyed entities are seeing how real estate can be corporatized, professionalized, turned into another giant right. services business where we're going to have a, you know, a lot of ways that people are making money from this service business, including ownership in the companies themselves. I agree. And I'm not going to touch on the last one. I want to go a totally different direction. I am um, a, I'm really spending a lot of time studying blockchain, really since Peter Diamandis introduced me to the concept back in like 2015, 16. And then you look at blockchain, you look at crypto, you look at the gains from crypto, the impact that's having on residential real estate and others with a lot of wealth. And then you look at NFTs. And of course, my goodness, let's put our Oculus on. Let's play golf in the metaverse together. All these things are happening, and I know it's going to be the 2023 trends report got to be in the top three or four, right? If not number one, what do you think right now? What should an agent understand, be looking at, knowing today as it relates to blockchain, crypto, metaverse, all this and more? Yeah, some of these things are going to have more of an impact sooner rather than later because it's a mm -hmm. lot. It's a it's a bunch of different things kind of all right. happening at once related right. to the fundamental. Uh, innovation of blockchain, right? Yes. So blockchain is this underlying technology. It's going to touch a lot of the tools we use yep. eventually. Some of yep. them sooner than others, right? Some of them it's going to be easier. So we see a lot of great stuff happening in the finance world, the co-ownership, the ability to right. split up an asset and have lots of people own it and be able yep. to swap in and out of that asset. I mean, we haven't, it's been a real hassle. Anybody that's owned a building in an LLC with a bunch of partners know, knows how much trouble it is right. to change equity in that environment. You got to yep. talk to an attorney. You move that all into a blockchain format, now it's much easier. So yep. we're gonna see some of that come into residential to enable it, make it easier for people to buy housing together and have very fungible mechanisms for doing so where they can move in and out of property that they own. So yep. it, it will have a big impact. It's just a question of timing and time frame. If you look at crypto and NFTs, Hold on. I got to just give you a shout out for the fungible mechanism. <laughs> Hashtag fungible mechanism. Hashtag yes. fungible. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. I apologize. So you said thinking about crypto. I mean, we, we're seeing like Bloomberg a couple of weeks ago came out and said in residential real estate, if you're in the high end, the high end is going to boom because of the gains from the stock market and the gains from crypto. 
right? So, you know, what what percentage, I don't recall from the article, but the headline, I was like, yeah, that doesn't shock me. We had people that invested in, in tiny little coins that went from seven decibels down to one decibel. And if you're a math person, you realize that is insane growth. But what do you think? How does it impact real estate? Well, well there's a couple of things on real estate. So there's, there's kind of first fundamentally crypto and, and trading and actually using it for real estate transactions. We're kind of in the barter stage right now. You know, it's like there's no well you, you don't close a transaction with Bitcoin. You, you know, you and the seller agree to like, OK, I'm going to give you so much Bitcoin. You're going to give right. me the title. It's right? all so still you're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really it, it will all have to be converted to dollars, at least in the current state yep. where I think things are interesting. And you talked about it. There's some very, very high net worth people. There's some people that have been, you know, Bitcoin millionaires. They've made yep. a bunch of money right. and they actually have a problem where if they sell that, it's being treated as a capital gain. Of course. And so if I, if I was an agent, I would be looking at how can I work with those people to convert those uh, capital gains into investments into opportunity zones where they can tax right. shelter their gains right. and do that for a decade and pay no capital gains tax and seeing because there's multifamily projects there's you can do single family you can do you can build an opportunity zone fund so we're kind of looking at how yeah. that impacts that high end of the market where you've got people that they made a bunch of money yeah. and now they need to do something with it they might want to do something in real estate with it so how can we help them get it there and minimize their tax consequences and make it really attractive to them it's interesting. I just uh, interviewed Natalia, CEO of Proppy, on my podcast a while back, and we were talking about just that, right? And I think it's important. I liken it to um, mid-teens of the 2000s. If an agent didn't, if an agent was in Miami, in New York, I mean, New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, and their business card didn't have I speak Mandarin, if their website didn't translate instantly to Chinese or Mandarin, like they were just less relevant. And today I'm saying to agents, you know, you might want to get crypto certified, whatever that means to you, Proppy or another. You might want to at least have some understanding because otherwise you're not culturally relevant to that 27-year-old or 67-year-old that walks in and says, I've had a $10 million gain and I want to get it out of this and I want to get into real estate. And if you if they start talking meta wallets and you're like, what are you talking about? You've already lost. You need to be conversant in it and you because yeah. you probably will have people who want to transact. I mean, I know, I know people personally. I've got a person who lives across the for street sure. from me. That's yeah. a, an exact, exactly that situation. They bought their house was a hundred percent from crypto gains, right. and you know, and and you you need he needed to work with somebody that was right. savvy to that and understood what that meant. And I think I think this is an area we need to get educated so we can be prepared for Bingo. what's coming next for sure. Literally just did that with like three thousand of my clients last week in Vegas. I'm like, just listen up. I'm not telling you to buy an NFT. I'm not telling you to invest, but but you better understand it. So when someone walks up and says, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, trading from this, that you're not like, huh? Right? Like, just do the basics. Okay. The very last one of the trends, the accelerating transformation, the industry embarks on a whole new era. Jack, what is that era? So if you look at the history of the, of, we've tracked the history of all the major transitions in real estate, and we're entering the tent. We're now moving into that. So yeah. the prior two that really set this one up were technology and then capital. So yep. we had a big trend for our trends in this industry, mega trends tend to last about a decade. And so we had uh, technology come in around the 2000s, IDX, search, listings, leads, all that sort of stuff, Zillow, yep. all that was born during that. And yep. then it was immediately followed in the by the by the following decade 
where we had about $8 billion, $8 billion in the last five years, in the last five years, which was up for, you know, from $2 billion. So we, we quadrupled the amount of money that was going into the industry in a yeah. very short amount of time. So we had technology set the stage. We now have capital providing the action in terms of being able to merge, consolidate, buy up, you know, do all those things. And that just means all these things that we've been seeing happening over the last year or two, and maybe that were slowed down due to COVID, maybe things took a little bit of a pause, they're going right. to pick right back up because this, the table is set for companies that have a lot of money to come in and continue to accelerate those changes. So if you wanted things to go back to the way they were, we're here to disappoint you. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Buckle up, soldier. Yeah, yeah not gonna happen. because you're going to see more companies get acquired. Right. You're going to see more of these consumer facing companies that have these all thin financial offers continue yep. to make them, some of which are great partners for, with the industry and you should definitely check out. So all of those things are going to happen at an at a increased clip. We're not slowing down because of that. And that's why we've declared this. We have now entered a new phase where from yep. now until probably in the late 20s, we're going to see uh, a massive amount of change uh, happen a lot faster than maybe we thought it was going to. I love it. I love it. So I know we're going to talk more about crypto in the future. We'll talk about the DOJ in the future, leaving everybody hanging, right? Because there's no, there's not a lot there yet, but we know it's coming. But I want to say to you, Jack, and to Safan and the team, um, just, you know, thank you for our friendship, our partnership. Thank you guys so much for taking thousands of hours and synthesizing all this stuff and then making it actionable for people like myself and the listener to go out and use this information, to be relevant in the marketplace, to be ahead of the curve and to see around those corners, which every CEO has to do. So if you're if you're watching, right, you can see all my little notes here, t3trends.com, t3trends.com. You should go get yourself a copy of this book. You should read it over and over and over and over. And if you're looking for something to do content on, if you're one of my content you know, peeps out there, man, it's packed full of interesting things that will have people say, I see that gal everywhere and the stuff she talks about is amazing. So Jack, closing thoughts as we move forward. So all of these things are set you guys up to be successful. We are such fans, Stefan and I and the whole team, we're such fans of the industry. We want the industry to do well. We want practitioners that are out there hustling every day to do well and get get what is coming, you know, in terms of the opportunity that's in front of them. And so use use our trends report and all the things that we reference in, in that spirit. It is here to help you. That's what we do and that's why we love doing what we do. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, my friend. And for my listener out there watching, I can't wait to see your comments. Uh, you can certainly follow Jack and the T360 crew on every possible social media channel. Highly recommend them on LinkedIn. Um, thank you, my friend. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Be well. Great. Thanks, Tom. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.